it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf the online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks they have every bet type imaginable and the sharp bet us mobile platform is easy with full betting options follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like i did bet us you bet you win you get paid bet us Let's get after it. What do you say? Huh? Let's talk some SEC football and beyond because coincidentally, that's the name of our show. It's Dan Matthews. It's Chris Landry here with you to recap the week that was 11 in the SEC and around college football. And Chris, we're already starting to see some of the other pieces in college football move around just before me and you hitting the air, the beyond portion, which we can get into a little bit later on in the show at least the rumblings of uh, proposed moves down in Coral Gables at Miami sounds like it's already in motion. And we'll see what that means for the head coach, because the AD he gone. Yeah. Blake James is uh, gone. And it certainly um, now it's one of the things that, that have to be decided on. Everybody will say, um, you know, that the new guy, I don't know if they have an athletic director, that's ready to come in. So let's just say that takes a couple of months to get done. I, I don't know. I mean, it may have somebody next week. But what does that mean for Manny Diaz? Well, many people think, well, that that's it for Manny. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, and I'm sure the president, board, can decide, move on from him. But that means are they going to hire the head coach? And then right. the new athletic director is going to come in. So you wonder sometimes if with all the money that they owe him, 
do they just punt this decision and say, we're going to hire the athletic director and let him assess it next year? I don't know. This could go both ways. This is really interesting. Um, I'm sure they got a plan, uh, um, but I don't know what the plan is. And uh, I'm, the initial thought is, oh, that's it for Manny. It may be, but I don't know where that goes in the next step. That's going to be interesting. It's, if you remember, I, I will kind of go back into recent where you can make a mistake. You remember the whole Arkansas job was open and the floating out by Jimmy Sexton that Gus Malzahn is a prime candidate there and they didn't have an athletic director. Mm. And the president was, you know, was they are so afraid, Dan, of being embarrassed by losing a coach. Right. It's perceived. You let this guy go to another conference and you're in uh, 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 school. That's a sign like of weakness when the reality is, I hate to say this, no disrespect to Gus, but you know, if you were them, I mean, and I was in that situation, I'd have said, I wouldn't have said it this way, but I would have said, Oh God, Oh, please do go ahead. And, you know, at, at alleviate instead, what did he do? Not only he went and doubled down and gave him a deal that they had to turn around and pay through the nose and still are. So I, I wonder how this is going to play out. And, and this is something that Miami is going to have to decide. I know that's a little bit too much into the Miami off the top, but it just, it just, came into my mind what does it really mean for them and we've got a lot of that stuff going on now washington firing jimmy lake and Mm -hmm. a mess at texas which is not going to lead to a firing now but it's already becoming a mess and fiu which i've got some thoughts on that later so anyway the coaching search stuff is it it compiles a lot of my mind in my work this time of year so uh we'll get into it yeah, no doubt. I mean, you were on a roll. I didn't want to stop you there. So, uh, Chris, uh, obviously, like you said, you're very busy this time of year with administrators, athletic directors, coaches, uh, all everything alike of uh, asking your opinion in situations like this. So look forward to uh, talking that with you as we move forward at the end of the season. You can follow him on Twitter, uh, by the way. Do so. If you are a football fan and you have a Twitter account, absolutely do it. Or if you haven't started Twitter yet, Go ahead, have one follow, and that's Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, at LandryFootball on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter as well if you're so inclined, at Dan Matthews ATL, one T in Matthews there. And, of course, you can watch us on Twitch. We appreciate it when you do, twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry Football. And if you take in the show through the years on the podcast, then we appreciate you doing that as well. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast needs, that is where you can find our work here on SEC Football and Beyond. Uh, Chris, let's get right into it on the SEC portion of it because we will have some notes around college football in the Beyond portion. But uh, let's start first. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, yet again, being asked about the LSU job and shooting it down, saying he would have to be, quote, the dumbest human ever to leave the recruiting class that he has coming in and have to coach against them at another school. 24-7 sports right now has the Aggies for the class of 2022 at fifth overall, third in the SEC. Yeah. Look, I my feeling has always been, and, and a lot of these searches are, and I know it's a tough job for the media, Dan. You, you, you're clued in as anybody, and you follow – other media folks, and a lot of people do a good job. But one of the things that's difficult in even kind of being involved in it, as you mentioned, is 
you got to really get it from both sides. I mean, so it's one thing you say, well, there's a search at school ABC or XYZ, and, well, I hear this. Well, you're not verifying it over there. Well, you know, Les Miles is going to get the Michigan job. Well, if you followed what was going on at Michigan, that was being played out a little bit differently. And, you know, this has never been a thing. There's certainly, as I said before, and I said it on your show with Chuck Oliver, if Jimbo Fisher wants this job, wanted this job, he he could have the job. That was never going to be something that came to realization in my view, now I'm not going to speak for Jimbo. I'm gonna, you know, but but just based upon people will say, oh, he convinced them to come from Florida State. You know as well as I do, he was looking for an exit strategy at Florida State, and he's been criticized for kind of letting go of the rope at Florida State, and and, and that maybe a lot of that's justified. He was looking to leave Florida State, so it was he flirted with LSU, and it didn't work out. He got a little bit more, and obviously you got to want to leave. There is no indication that Jimbo wants to leave Texas Tech to go anywhere, and that includes LSU. Let me address this, Dan, because I know you go for people who maybe are kind of new. Dan, you can share. You've your, your got Louisiana ties, LSU ties, and you've been up all around. What gave it away? It, it, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I knew that before, but that gave it away for those that didn't know. There you go. And, and certainly I grew up in, in South Louisiana going to LSU games as a kid. When when you didn't go to the games, Dan, you, you, you didn't see them because they, they were on, on TV. That's how old I am. And, um, and, and that's where I got my – that's where I went to school, and it's where I got my first job as a coach. And so it, it means a lot to me, and I, and I think it's great. But let me address this. A lot of what the public and a lot of times the media thinks is a better job or not, it's the beauty is in the eye of, of the beholder. And what I mean by that is, what do people say, Dan, you've heard this a bunch, well, that LSU job is better than A&M because there have been three coaches in the last 20 years have won a national title. Mm. That's exactly why most coaches would say A&M's a better job. And here's what I mean by that. Does A&M have everything resource-wise to win a championship? Yes. yes. Are they positional? Yes. If Jimbo, and I'm not saying this is the, the reason or the only reason why, or even the main reason why, but just so people understand, if you go to LSU, you're going to be expected to win a national championship. And I hate to put it this way, and I don't mean to be crude. I'll just clean it up and say, if you don't win a national championship at LSU, I don't know, the next five years, you know what they're going to say to whoever that is? Man, Les Miles and Ed Orgeron won national championships. You can't win one? You know, I mean, that's what people are going to point to. And it's accurate, but it's also fair, unfair, whatever. The reality is Jimbo knows this because Jimbo won a national title at Florida State. That's always going to be the statue is of Bobby Bowden, okay? That's Bobby Bowden's program. He knows LSU. He has an affinity there, and timing's everything in coaching searches. If he was still at Florida State, if Scott Woodard was the athletic director instead of Joe Oliva a few years ago, 
Jimbo Fisher would be the LSU coach today. I can, t- I can, without, I just tell you, he'd be the head coach at LSU today because it'd have been, you know, meaning if Scott was not at A&M, but he had left Washington mm-hmm. to come to LSU, the timing was it. He'd be at LSU right now, and he probably would never would not want to leave LSU to go on A&M. It's just the way it is. He's right. at A&M where he's got all the money. He's got anything he wants. Trust me, he's got. There's more money even there than than, than LSU would ever have. The state and the, the boosters are bigger. But here's the thing, Dan. They expect him to win a national. They hope and they expect him to win they've a national. They've already given championship. him a trophy. They, Absolutely. They've already given they, him a trophy. They, they, so, so they, they expect yeah. it. But if and when he does it, it's going to be Jimbo. And I'm not saying he's doing it for the – it's going to be a Jimbo statue. He's going to be – it's going to be his program. He will have done something there that no, – Nobody's done. It, it's just like, you know, that's the difference where in his eyes, he won't say this to be rude. And But I'm telling you, a lot of coaches feel that way. They'd rather be at a place that hasn't done it but has all the resources. Now, if you don't have the resources, that's a different deal. A&M has better resources, believe it or not, than LSU. Other than you don't own the state of Texas like LSU right. owns Louisiana. But, my goodness, anything that they want, he can get, and he can get it with easily raised money that, quite frankly, in Louisiana, I can tell you, I work there at LSU. I always say this. You need a million dollars, that's five phone calls and a little bit of arm twisting. They're they're raising a lot of money to buy out Ed Ogeron. It can be done. It's not as easy. At A&M, raising $50 million is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not, it's not a big deal there. And so there's a lot of things. So I, I just keep that in mind is for, you know, if it were me and I had my choice, well, it's LSU because it's my dad, it's my family, it's my upbringing, it's how we were. But, you know, everybody says, and I always get a kick out of this when, you know, media guy comes out and says, well, this is a better job. To whom? You ain't a candidate for either one. It's the best job in the eyes of the beholder. USC job? Oh, man, I love to live in Los Angeles and La La Land. That, that's great. The USC job, oh, my God, I got to live in L.A. and the traffic and the cost of living. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Somebody's trash is somebody's treasure. Somebody's dream job is somebody's nightmare. It's different. And I just never have felt that there was really anything there. I think he's clearly said it. I think he's tried to be respectful. Um, sure, there have been contacts and issues. Heck, he, he, the, the agent that represents him represents some of the other guys at LSU's hard closely looking at. But that's my take on it. I can't sit there and say with 100% certainty that Jimbo would not do it. Because the other thing is, what if there's a problem or anything at AM mm. that just meaning somebody, you know, something, you never rule out anything, but I never thought that that was much of anything. And I think he pretty much put it to bed. At least this, Dan, would you agree with this, that I don't think there's any turning back off of his comments today. <laughs> I think, no. I, I think he really, I think he really kind of went down a path to where if something were to change, I think there was nothing to it hasn't been anything to it and and not that it needed to be put to bed in my mind 
I think it's been put to bed in, in a lot of other people's minds. Well, a couple of things you touched on there. I think number one, recruiting, you're exactly right. I mean, in the state of Louisiana, if LSU wants a kid, more often than not, they're going to win. Now, we've seen times of players going out of state, going to some Texas schools, going to Georgia, going to Alabama. I mean, even guys from Baton Rouge, Chris, going to Alabama, right out of their own backyard. Dylan Moses, one of those guys, most recently. So that's happened. There's no doubt about that. I think the other thing with Jimbo as well, there's unfinished business. I think he really feels like if the quarterback play had gone the way that he felt like it could have gone this year, I mean, I think that he would like to see what this offense can look like with Haynes King because I do think that there have been some good things from Zach Calzada this year. I do think inconsistency has been a huge thing with him this year, and that's why I, I know that we're looking, you know, cart ahead of the horse here, but I think LSU, if they win this week, they got an opportunity to be able to beat uh, A&M next week because of their offensive inadequacies. So we'll talk about that when that show comes up. But I, I think that there is probably a feeling with some of the players that he has in his program that we're close, we're close. And this is not the time to ditch out and go look for the next job. I want to be here to see this through. And I don't know if it's next year. I don't know if it's the year after that, but I think he probably feels like at A&M they're close. Timing's everything. Timing's everything. If it's, Four or five years ago, like I said, he's right now we're talking about Jimbo Fisher, the head coach at LSU. Um, into the future, if it were like, you know, things were running bad at AM, well, he probably wouldn't be as high on the list there. But, um, you know, timing's everything. Um, it right. is absolutely everything. And anybody can relate to that in jobs and opportunities. But in coaching – I see it all the time. I see it all the time. And um, no, I, I, so anyway, that's the, the latest there. All right. So real quick here, Dan Mullen, likely going to stick with Emory Jones at quarterback for the rest of the season. Uh, they've got Missouri on the road this weekend and then they're home for Florida state in the finale. So one more win in order to reach the bowl game. Uh, it sounds like it, it's probably a combination of number one. He probably feels more comfortable with Emory Jones at quarterback, but also number two, Chris, I got to believe that Anthony Richardson is not as healthy as they're leading on. That is healthy. And I know there is no one that wants to hear, you know, anything positive about Dan and, and, and he hasn't really given them much to be positive about this. And always said, you know, you're not there coaching them. Everybody said Anthony Richardson was the best option. And that, that may seem like that from snippets of game action and playmaking ability. And and it's justifiable when you look at the mistake that Emory Jones makes, but pretty clear that of the two, one has a better grasp of what they're doing and one doesn't. I think the answer and the criticism should be that they don't really have a quarterback that's capable of running any sustainable offense there. Um, real quick, and maybe this will kind of tie up Florida for us today, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the game, but maybe we'll, we'll tie that. <laughs> that was – that was an ugly look. Um, let me just say this. There's a um, – I, I have felt and believe that Dan is going to be back next year at Florida. Um, I'm not so sure now. Um, really? I think there is a possibility of an exit strategy. It's a little complex. I, I, I think this. I think that they're not going to fire him. I think that they're going to give him every chance to – come back uh, and, and fix it. Um, 
Dan will have to do some soil searching, and this will require a number of things to fall into place. You know, contracts have a way of being worked out. You owe, and, and I forget, I'd have to look up Dan's number again. Let's just say it's $10 million owed. I think, I think it was. I, th- well, I, th- I think it. Think it's twelve. Yeah, I, I believe I saw twelve. I, but there's a way to kind of make things go away and look at the number and come to the number. If Dan could, he's not going to. He shouldn't walk. I mean, he'd be foolish as big of an ego as he has. Even he's not going to walk away from money. Mm-hmm. Um. But if he could have an exit strategy to go somewhere else and, say, be a coordinator in the NFL and split the money and make it work out to where he could save face, um, they've got some tough decisions right now. Because I think, Dan, um, this is going to be a tough turnaround for him. I think we're clearly looking at if we're next year in this situation, we're looking at him being gone I just think there's a way, if the money can be worked out, I've been told that there might be an exit strategy. I just, that is a lot of hoops to go through, though. And if you ask me, do I think he's going to be back? I'm going to say yes, because my experience is those hoops are complex. But if he could get, for example, enough of the money to where he doesn't have to go through what he's going through now next year, even worse, because it's only going to get worse, as you know. And he could escape with his ego intact and his pride intact where, man, they fired him. He had one bad year. And, you know, I I think he would be amenable to that. He ain't going to leave all that money on the table, though. Right. So if Georgia, uh, Georgia, if Florida wants to, if Florida wants to make a move, but they don't want to really fire him, but they want to move on from him, and he there, there is a way to make this work, and both sides are willing to come to the table to make that work. Now, Dan, as you know, you can come to the table, but what are you willing to pay, and right. how bad do you want to move on? Who could you get? that you'd like to maybe secure this year or how likely do you think you can get them? I think what I'm saying, there is a deal to be made as complex as it would be. I'm told there's a deal to be made just in listening through it all out. I just think it's going to be a lot of hoops to go through, but let's just keep an eye out on that because that was awful. And by the way, this is another example. I get it. When you look at Todd Grantham, it's bad. Fire the bomb. I get all that stuff. Okay, but this is why when you make a move during the season, all you you think you think you're gonna fix it by letting him go now, it just stresses out the rest of the staff and you mm-hmm. have an even worse performance. But this is what happens with this god awful college football calendar that we have. Because and I've said this before. What do you do? You've got recruits asking and their families asking, is Coach Granham going to be there next year? Right. Well, you you either going to do one of two things now. Think about this, folks. I'm going to put you in our shoes as a coach. Uh, no, he's not. We're going to let him go in three weeks. Well, you can't do that. 
then it's going to get out there. That's not the way you let a coach go, right? Or you tell them, you know, we're going to have to assess it, or you get, get you know, and then it becomes we do, kinda, we do evaluations at the yeah, end. Yeah, and, and it yeah. becomes a little bit well, okay, that's put offish, or you say yes, and then you turn around in two weeks and fire them. You lose it. It puts people in a no-win situation. And I think that's bad. And this is one of the reasons why we're having more and more of that happening around the country. Head coach, it is to try to save the early recruiting period, yeah. which is a mess in and of itself. But Well, remember, though, Chris, he said that <coughs> recruiting season, they were going to worry about it after the season. Yeah, so, but you know, you know, you know, they were, they're recruiting all year round. They it wasn't just, it, it, they it just wasn't don't they, they just don't No, It was a bad it was a bad <laughs> comment. And I'm going to tell you something. I'll just say this. I'll throw this in. We may not get to it. But tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. Jimmy Lake was fired at Washington after 13 games. Yeah. Okay. Um, Got to pay him a lot of money. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, made a bad hire to a friend on an offensive side of the ball that's been a disaster. John Donovan. Mm-hmm. Has just been a disaster, that entire staff on recruiting. They are, I'm told, it's just been really bad. And looking at it, they just are all across the board, and they're lost recruiting-wise. Sound for me? Okay, sound for mm-hmm. me. And then Jimmy Lake has had many missteps in the presentation of in the media and press conferences, and he's had an issue with a player on the field and then reportedly an issue last year with a player in the locker room at halftime. And so that now that part's a little bit different than Dan, but it's almost like the same story out West. It's just, you know, you know, it's just a little bit more with, with Jimmy, he hadn't had the success. Dan now has had, look, they went and they, they played Alabama well and went to the conference championship game. So Dan's had more success, and Dan has had success at Mississippi State. So it's not exactly the same. But my point is, is this stuff moves awfully fast. So Landry's not saying that Dan is gone at the end of the year. Landry's saying it's not 100% certain that he's coming back. Far from it. And we're going to see how it plays out because there are a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is. And I know that there is – a lot of, uh, let's just say, let down expectations there oh, in, yeah. in Gainesville because I don't think that people necessarily, Chris, expected them to win the East this year, but they at least expected them to be competitive, and they have not been competitive this year. And we've seen the way that the season's gone uh, to this point. I mean, well, just yeah, absolutely. That looked, looked like a collapse. It looked yeah. like a collapse Saturday, didn't it? And look, I'm just so going to, I'm going to throw this that. out. Yeah, yeah I'm going to throw this out. They got Missouri and Florida State. We know how bad those teams are, but but they played Sanford last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, envision this conversation that we're having in two weeks, and they lose to yeah. Florida State. Well, I mean, that's that's something that probably could propel what you're talking about right there because it's, you got an F- FSU team who's going to be going up and taking on an improved and pretty decent Boston College team this week. But if they win that, you're telling me they're not going to be ripping and roaring going inside the swamp the following week with an opportunity to give themselves a 13th game. And the way that they've played this season after starting off the year 0-4 and 
and being able to run off what they've been able to do now, especially with a bad loss to Jacksonville State in there, that's something that I think Mike Norvell could very easily rally his guys going into that stadium for. Yeah, and it's not the loss. It's how it looks. They didn't lose to Stetson, uh, to Sanford. Sanford, yeah. (laughs) To Stetson, Sanford. They didn't lose to him, but it was like a loss, and it looked like a complete disaster. Mm. And so if it looks continues to look like that, then they're going to have to look and say, oh, my God. Is this repairable? How, how do we fix this? Yeah. It's almost like you go in. I hate to be dramatic, but you go in and you think, well, we can fix that. Or you go in and say, oh, my God. God, we're just going to have to bulldoze it and start over. I mean, it's it's one of those things that becomes, and this is kind of what I'm getting, and this is why I would say the next two games, believe it or not, are really important. They're really important for to su- showing signs that, okay, look, there's a lot of work to be done, but the studs and the framework are there. We're going to go forward. Or they're going to take a bulldozer to it. I mean, it really is along those lines of what's going on in Gainesville right now. Yeah, it's not uh, a good time to be inside the building there in Gainesville. There's no doubt about that. Uh, We're going to get to the uh, Jake Peets uh, story here when we talk uh, LSU here in just a few minutes. But, uh, Chris, I want to get into the games now. As uh, this weekend, saw some really good ones. Saw some that were not so great. This one, though, Georgia on the road at Tennessee. Complete domination once again. But – Stop me if you've heard this story before. Stetson Bennett, okay, not great. 17 to 29, 213 yards and a touchdown. James Cook was the offensive stalwart for Georgia in this game. 10 carries, 104 yards, a touchdown, and he also has a touchdown catch as well, three three catches for 43 yards. I think we're kind of setting up to a point right here, Chris, where it's going to be, if it's not the SEC championship game, if it's the semifinal game or even the national title game, a reverse Tua, which I'm sure Georgia fans would say, hmm, it'd be nice to be on the other side of that this time. I just don't look at Stetson Bennett on the field, Chris, and say, this guy can get it done. I'm sorry, I don't. Well, it, it's going to be interesting. I think the one thing that comes to mind, at least right now, as I survey everything and I'm looking at this, I just think there's such a huge gap between Georgia and everybody else. I don't know that I can sit there and stamp the thought that uh, they can't win a national championship with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. I think this year, I think this Georgia team could probably win the national championship with Stetson. You know, JT, it, it, I really do. Um, but is, does he give them the best opportunity? I, I, I think it is a interesting conversation because they're so good we know how good they are defensively but let's talk about the backs James Cook had his best game he's had since he's been there I thought the receivers came up with some big catches um I think the offensive line it's really done a good job I think Matt Luke's done a really good job I thought Xavier Trust played well um uh, this is such a really good team that they don't need the quarterback to be anything more than just solid. And even if they miss throws and leave plays on the field, we got plenty of others that we dominate. To your point, 
is it going to be a situation where they're going to need more from the quarterback position to win? And if they do, we don't know, and we're not going to know until at the very earliest against Alabama because I think it's going to be Alabama. And I I recognize they got to beat Arkansas this week or Auburn, but I think that path is a little bit easier for for now without Bo Nix. But be that as it may, I, you know, I think that could be one of those games in which Alabama plays loose, plays their best game, you know, they play the underdog role, which you know they're going to love because they never get to play it, right? They'll be, what, huge underdogs to Georgia. Uh, we might, I, the, the number I saw today, and I don't know who had it, but uh, guys <coughs> around the station were talking Ten-ish? about it. It'd be, it'd be Georgia three. Georgia three. Okay, wow. Yeah, okay, so Georgia minus three. So, yeah. Wow, okay. Um, so I, I think that that's going to be interesting to see if anybody can challenge Georgia enough to where they're going to need more out of the passing game, because I do think they leave some plays on the field, but it doesn't really affect it because they're winning and they're dominant. I look, I don't know the, the one thing that, that he can do. And we saw this come to help is he doesn't put the ball in harm's way and he doesn't force the ball. He misses some plays, but he can run it. And I think they kind of like that part of it because I think in some of those cases, JT's maybe throwing it, maybe not throwing it away. Maybe it's a turnover, and maybe it doesn't cost them a game, but it might make some of these games closer. But I, look, I, we're not going to have the answer. The answer is going to be that they're so much better than everybody else that they're going to win it, regardless who the quarterback is, or they're going to be in a close game and they're going to have to get it done. You know, kind of like in basketball when you got a dominant team and they don't play a close games. And you say, man, can you make the three throws down the stretch? Right. Well, we don't we don't know. They never have to. I mean, then they Memphis get in the close. Yeah. Gonna get a close game, gotta make some free throws, and all of a sudden it gets a little tight. And then all of a sudden you just there you go. There you go. In a football standpoint, you know, if somebody gets a lead on them, and I'm not talking about Tennessee first quarter, that's one thing. I'm talking, as I said, can can Tennessee get a 17-3 lead? Well, no, they couldn't. But if they did, and it's not in the first half, but if it's like three minutes left in the third quarter and Tennessee's got the ball and Georgia's defense has been on a while or whoever's got the ball in this case going forward, that's what we don't know because we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. it but I tell you what, they've taken every challenge and shot it down. And I I don't know that anybody right now looks good enough to really challenge it. And I know a lot of people have hit me up. Wouldn't you like to see this Ohio State offense against Georgia? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if they're good enough to, to get enough done, but that's probably the best going offense right now that has the personnel to right. challenge and at least make it a game. I don't think the defense holds up is is well, but you know m- maybe it does. If again, if Georgia's offense is not eclectic enough in the pass game, yeah, I mean that's the one thing. I, I think that you bring up a very valid point that if you do find this team behind and they say we got to get something going in the passing game, I do wonder if that's when Kirby says, "JT, you're in. It, it, get it going." So I, I think that that's something that he's hoping that he doesn't have that situation because 
if he's still getting outstanding play by his offensive line. I mean, I'm sure people have seen it now. I think it was Cedric Van Pran uh, that had a block on the second level and just absolutely killed someone in that game. I mean, this has been an offensive line that's played angry all season long, Chris. And to your point, uh, Matt Luke has done an outstanding job with that group because you really had to remake that offensive line to start the season. And they did. They haven't done a ton of rotations in there. Uh, because, I mean, yeah, you've had Jamari Sawyer out for some time, but for the most part, they've been able to plug and play and really be able to make sure that that group up front controls the line of scrimmage. And I can't point to a time this year where you say, mm, man, they, they had their work cut out for them that day. I, I think for the most part, they've been uh, pretty outstanding for most of the season. So that's a huge feather in the cap for them. Uh, Alabama over New Mexico State, 59-3. to That's my contribution. Yeah, dominant. Um, just did everything that you'd want to do, and now it's moving on. I think the big story, though, and we'll get into it, is, you know, can they deal with the physicality of Arkansas this week and then obviously that Auburn game? Um, they just need to win one now, and obviously with the with the A&M loss, one win away. I just need one win as Alabama to, to wrap up the West. Um, but they look good as you expect they would look good. They were down 3-0, though. Yeah. 3-0. They had to punt it away, and I know that Nick was asked about that in the post-game press conference, and he was not too en- he was not too enthused with uh, the uh, question about it of uh, having to punt it and then give up the field goal, which was very short-lived for them, as we knew that it would be. So that's our conversation on Alabama and New Mexico State. Uh, Ole Miss over Texas A&M, 29-19. Zach Calzada, a couple of key interceptions, one taken back the other way. Uh, Jerry Ely. Uh, huge for Ole Miss in this game. Almost 200 yards of total offense himself as the Rebels look really good in, in this one as we thought they could because I think, Chris, the question that we had and I know that I had about this game was can you get enough good things out of Zach Calzada to be able to win because I said that's what you were going to need and we found out no, you couldn't because it wasn't exactly like Matt Corral lit things up, but he made less mistakes and less mistakes means that you win by 10. Well, to me, where I missed a little bit or in the question I had, I thought the key to the game was going into it was I thought A&M would be able to run the football better than they were able to run against Ole Miss, and they couldn't. I I thought that D.J. Durkin and that defensive uh, group of Ole Miss really caused problems in the first half in particular, and that's the key. Because to me, Calzada's not going to make consistent plays. Other than the start against Alabama, he is what he is. So the only way that he's going to make plays is if they're running it so well that they can create some spacing, move the safeties in the box. Look, AM's defense, my God, what an effort. Ole Miss moved the football a lot of yards, but Ole Miss couldn't get it done in the red zone. AM. Just stop after stop after stop. When it was 13 nothing, Dan, it really should have been 20, 24, maybe even 27 nothing. Ole Miss right. in the first half. And it was AM's defense coming up big after big. Now, for Ole Miss standpoint, well, we left plays with AM's defense, really took it away and kept themselves in the game. And I thought, great second half, great halftime adjustments. AM. Got their running game going a little bit. They really did a good job tightening their line splits a little bit. They did a nice job. And you saw they made a few plays in the passing game then. 
because they're able to run it. But, man, they mm-hmm. just they couldn't get it done enough, and I thought the defense is going to be out once that they, the defense, A&M's defense is on the field a little too much at some point. And it was just Ole Miss making a couple of plays on defense, uh, including one that obviously a big pick. Uh, it's just simple as that. This A&M passing game is not good enough. They're going to have to run it to set up the passing game. And Calzada at this stage, he's got a lot of physical talent. But at this stage, he's just they don't have a quarterback that is good enough to be able to go, boy, put the game on. We're going to go no huddle. We're going to go quick right. pace. Go make yeah. some plays. Can't do that. That's not what he can do. And at this stage, he's too young to do it and may be limited even down the road in doing it. It's just not the formula for them to have success. So it's, again, if they can run it, they establish it. Look, against Auburn, you know, Auburn's was offense wasn't going to jump out and make plays, and that game was close to the vest. So A&M's defense scores some points, gives them a short field, and they just – A&M's offense didn't do much against Auburn. They did just enough. But the the issue in a game where you're playing a great offense, which I think Ole Misses is, mm-hmm. if you're A&M, the challenge is – you're going to have to score some points because you can do everything you can. And by God, I mean, look how good they did against this old man. Again, it should have been 24, 27, at least 20, nothing. And it could have been a blowout in the first half. Then the game is completely over, but the defense kept them in. I don't think you can ask more out of that defense against this type of an offense. If they play this type of an offensive team, they're going to have trouble. They had trouble mm. against Mississippi State, which has a different offense, but an offense that throws it a bunch, scores it a bunch. They lost both of these games be- because they can't keep up enough offensively. And so uh, Jimbo's getting a ton of criticism. I get it. You know, it's this passing game, this quarterback, is it's not good enough. And I think the feeling is – we're going to look because they just accept that, that the Alabama game was a given, you know. But mm-hmm. the, the reality is, is they think you're wasting a great a emphasis on G, great defense. A defense that still, to, to this point, is playing about as good as anybody not named um, uh, Georgia. Uh, in, in the SEC, I think Wisconsin is, uh, to, to what they do, is almost as good. But they're not able, if they can keep the game close and allow their offense to grind it out, run it, they can win it. But if they get into where they got to score a lot of points and make plays in the passing game, yeah, it's not what they do well. I, I don't think they're there yet. I, I'm with you on that. I think that it's also, too, I mean, as we've seen from Jimbo Fisher's offensive scheme, Chris, they want to run the football first and foremost. They want to be able to beat you physically and then be able to soften you up and go that route. And I think that that's ideally what they want to be able to do first, and they just haven't been able to do that, and you're exactly right. I mean, Jalen Weidemeyer is a fantastic player. It's kind of the same situation that I see locally with the Falcons is you ask Jalen Weidemeyer to be the guy, kind of like what the Falcons in essence right now are asking Kyle Pitts to be the guy and just don't know if they're there yet uh, as players. So I think that you have that. 
I think that that's probably something that is going to need to improve for them over the offseason is being able to uh, improve the receiver room and be able to get some options. And also, too, I think that a year of playing for Zach Calzada because guts, I don't think he lacks guts. I think he's got plenty of those. I think that he's somebody that probably could you really use the bowl practices, the spring practices, and just the enhanced film study for him to be able to look at some of the mistakes that he made this year and be a much improved player because I do think that he has the ability to play at this level and play at a high level. I I think that he just needs to be able to learn from some of his mistakes and see that on tape and be able to work on it on the practice field to be able to become the quarterback that I think Jimbo Fisher wants him to be. Because I got to tell you, Chris, I I think he has got a lot of the same intangibles that we saw to Sean McGuire at at, at Florida State. He's better than Sean McGuire. But that was somebody who played with guts, who, who, who just was able to take control of that team and lead them for a team that probably had no business even playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game that year, but lead them to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And I think that that's the type of talent that Zach Calzada has. So uh, we'll see uh, if indeed the offseason is kind to him. Uh, you mentioned Mississippi State. What a comeback for them. 43-34 win over Auburn on the Plains. The Bulldogs scoring 33 points in the second half to win this one. Uh, we also find out later that Bo Nix, broken ankle, done for the season as he tried to gut it out for his guys on the other side. But uh, Will Rogers, have a day for yourself. Six touchdown passes, 415 yards for Rogers. Don't look now, Chris, but all of a sudden, it's looking like a team who was going to need to be able to get on their horse and try to make bowl season. Well, now they're 6-4, and four, and they've got Tennessee State this week. That's not going to be an issue for them. I think this could be a bad matchup next week for Ole Miss. So we're all of a sudden talking about a coach who some people wondered, is he starting to kind of fall out of favor in in Starkville? To a, hey, he could finish 8-4, and four, wins over A&M at their place, come back win like this over Auburn, and then, and then you also win the, uh, the Egg Bowl. All of a sudden, hey, let's, let's see how this plays out here. This looks like it could be pretty promising. Look, I, I, I think the narrative on Mike, uh, it, to me, it hasn't changed in my view. This is Mike. First of all, I, you know, I'm sitting there, and I thought this this game had a chance to go either way. Uh, it was like two games in one, and I didn't, I didn't, I was surprised by both. I was shocked that it was 28-3, <laughs> and then I was shocked that that they came back. I was like. I didn't – that game was not anything like I thought it would be. Bad I number. It, yeah, I thought it would be close, and I thought it would be competitive. I just did not the, – the, the game and the style and what have you. But this is Mike Leach in a nutshell. That game is Mike Leach in a nutshell. I've seen him come back from games. I also see him – also saw him blow a 40-point lead in one quarter to UCLA. 4-0, 40 points. It seems impossible. Why is that? He throws it all the time. So, you know, in the first half, they drop balls, and boom, 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 you're down 28-3. You catch balls, boom. It's his style. Yeah. He it always lends it to in-game inconsistency and game-to-game inconsistency. This, to me, is not an upset. It was a close game, and like I said on on Friday's show, a little bit of an edge to Auburn because they were at home. But I, I could have gone. But this was a two games in one. 
you're going to get that with Mike. Look, if you're a Mississippi State fan, depending on the schedule and how things play, you're good to win seven to eight and maybe even nine games. I think Mike can be a great fit there for just doing just that. He's going to surprise you and win a game at least one, if not two a year, that you don't think he's going to win. He's also going to blow two games that you, there's no business losing. So it's going to always be that. You, you know, people like to have the consistency, right, Dan? You know, get to seven and then get to nine wins, and you see that, well, the three teams that you lose, they're better. And, well, you're going to get better, and now you can get to ten. You won't get that with Mike. It's going to be up and down the recruiting. It's the quarterback that has to hit. Will Rogers hits. If it doesn't hit, well, let's remind folks, and I know LSU's talented, but they lost to LSU in the middle of the LSU's dysfunction. You know, this yeah. is what you're going to get with my, this is a Louisiana Tech. Now, it was early in the year, and I get all that. This is what you're going to get. They're very capable of going, and by the way, how good the Egg Bowl look on yeah. Thanksgiving night. I'm going to. I'm going to get me a turkey sandwich and a piece of pecan pie and love some of that for the Egg Bowl. I I think it's it's a good game. This year, it's going to be a really good game because I think think both can take care of the – I mean, it sets up well. And what I love about it is both of these guys love offenses. Both of these guys are – anything can happen in this game. But this is what you're going to get with with Mike. You're going to get the – Hey, this is a big upset because I don't think it's a big upset. I mean, I think Auburn's done a good job. Mississippi State beat AM this year. Lost to LSU. You know, uh, mm-hmm. again, you're going to get that. So if you are a Mississippi State fan and you don't mind the roller coaster, you don't mind the frustration of blowing a game or two, you're going to be fine. Now, again, this is why, though, if he went to a place, Dan Mullen, going to Florida, that's why, because everybody says, boy, Mike would be a good, you put him at Florida. No, you put him at Florida, it would be Dan Mullen 2.0. Because he would not recruit well, because he doesn't recruit all that well. And then he'd blow those games that you can't blow at Florida. You can't blow it in an LSU or Georgia. But at Mississippi State, yeah, they'll live with it if you win eight games a year. Uh, I got a scenario for you. We'll talk about it in the uh, beyond section with uh, Blake yeah. James getting fired. Oh. Uh, we all know that we, we all know that Mike uh, is a huge <clears throat> fan of of Key West, Florida. Uh, I don't know how far Coral Gables is to Key West, Florida, but you think if Miami came calling and said, "Hey, why don't you come back to South Florida?" I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. We could talk about it a little bit later on. Of course, there I, is a man I, still. And on the job. How about that? uh, How about, how about that? Would he, and and what I throw in would another guy that likes South Florida that coaches in the sec in the state of Mississippi would entertain. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I think these these are questions to ask. It's also too, how good does Miami want their program to be? So I think all of those questions need to uh, be uh, asked and answered at the moment. Uh, Arkansas over LSU in overtime at 16-13. Chris, where I want to go with this is we saw the quick hook for Mac, Max Johnson, and it was very much very apparent. Let's see what Garrett Nussmeyer has. Some good. I think there was a lot of high school ball there as well of, 
here, you know, let me wiggle my way out of trouble here. Jack Besh, let me throw it up to you. And Jack Besh being what he has been this season, outstanding and being able to high point the football and bring in that touchdown catch. So that was nice to see. The interceptions were not nice to see. And especially to when they came for this LSU team, that was not nice to see. But this started to make its rounds on social media on Saturday night. Blake Rafino, a guy that you know pretty well, I believe uh, it was his Are You Serious on Twitter. They threw this out that Tom Hart said the quarterbacks did not have a great week of practice, according to Jake Peets, offensive coordinator, who was in the booth. In fact, on Wednesday, he was so upset, he left them with the script and said, quote, practice is over. You guys need to stay out here and keep running things. And they did. Well, Ed Ogeron on Monday asked during his press conference about Jake Peets. Ed Ogeron, the one thing... I did was trust Joe Brady because that's exactly what he had pretty much done. Hey, Joe, who would you recommend? I'd recommend these two guys. Great. Awesome. We'll bring them in. I knew there'd be a learning curve. That's red flag. Number one. I won't say it was a mistake. It's not like they're not looking. It's just their experience level. Not my, may not be what I wanted for this job. Those watching on Twitch can see that I'm looking at you. I, I, I'm, I'm purposely laying out, as we say in this um, business, for, for your reaction. The floor is yours. It, it Just the lack of polish and the, 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 the certain um, etiquette of how to deal with it would be like <laughs> – this would be the in the coaching profession, the version – of somebody coming in for Thanksgiving dinner to your house and just not washing their hands and just starting to serve themselves and the casseroles mm. and everything, just grabbing it by the hand and throwing their yeah, plate. Rip, like rip, some rip, cave- ripping the turkey leg off. Yeah, I ripped the turkey leg off. But even worse than that, grabbing the green bean casserole with the fried onions or whatever that crap is that you know oh, throw it. Oh, it's great just, stuff. Great, you know, great just stuff. throwing it just his no filter. Look, um, a couple of things. I, I did check in. I did check into it. I actually talked with somebody. I, I did um, on the telecast. I don't know that they did the best job. Just Let's just, because I think this is important. You can criticize a coach for just not getting it done. Mm-hmm. But when you criticize a coach for basically like somebody putting out there that the coach left in the middle of practice, right. that's irresponsible. That's irresponsible. Yeah. Because that did not happen. He did not leave in the middle of practice at all. Okay. And that's important to know. That that that's so the way it works, and it it is typical when you get done with practice, you know, coaches have to go for meetings. In college, you got to go up and look the look at the tape. You've got a limit with a 20 hour work week. You can't just spend an extra half an hour with them. It's illegal. Right. Okay, mm. and they, you know, those guys are going to do anything that's illegal with everybody watching right now. Right. So they didn't have a good day, and he and he told them, from what I'm told, look, Jake Pete said, "Is look, you guys, you guys need to work a little bit extra on this." So he left the script with them, work on this, you know, and they made it sound like, look, I've Pete got enough, enough of you. Yeah, I right. got enough of you guys. Yeah. Here, you do it yourself. That's. Look, there's plenty enough to criticize stuff that's going on at LSU without 
look, I don't think people are making it up. They're they're mm-hmm. just not smart enough to understand what goes on at practice right. in a typical practice. And so I think this is well, let's get some clicks to talk about how the coach just left in the middle of practice. That's a little, it's kind of like the the this is the same exaggeration of did you hear Ed Orgeron had his girlfriend's children oh, yeah. taking reps in practice? Well, that wasn't right. true. You know, his he had some, I guess, a girlfriend, a couple of kids that were there. And before practice or after practice, or maybe a combination of both, were throwing the ball around and that stuff. That happens quite a bit. But they oh, made, yeah. it, made it sound like, uh, Keishon Butte, you, okay, all right, Keishon, hold on. We're going to get this. That's not. <laughs> Anybody that has a clue, to me, I, I you know, this stuff is so ridiculous. Uh, I think it's unfortunate. But, my God, what is that doing with the comments, throwing somebody on? What a, what an embarrassing thing to do. It's such a, such a low-rent thing. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Ed's not going to get a head coaching job in the future, but what a, what a jackass thing to say about a coach. You protect your coaches. You take yeah. – I mean, it's like basically I'm gone. Let me tell you all the ways. Yeah. It's like what he did. Yeah. I, I, I didn't interview Bo Pelini thinking that, oh, well, that's why it's that's, bad. That's, that's what it's it is. Sorry, yeah. you, you, you didn't interview him? And instead of realizing and being sharp enough to say – you're the bleeping head coach, and you didn't interview the guy. Interview, yeah, it, it makes you look like a bigger idiot. He doesn't think things through enough to realize that what he just did, throwing another one of his coaches under the bus, and then of course is going to say, uh, "A buck stops with me." No, it doesn't, Dad. You know, Very clearly it, not. It doesn't stop with you because you know you're just running everybody over, you know, and backing them up under the bus. And I mean, it's just not the way you handle it. But again. It's all part of the reason why he's lacked the polish and the finesse to be a head coach. And, yes, it goes to show you that even them, even guys like that, can sometimes it can work for a short term like it did in 2019 when everybody else is doing it and he can just not have to do anything. But when he has to become involved or when the people underneath them are not doing it as well as they do it, then he can't fix it. It's what I've always said. In anything in life, and certainly in coaching, it's about consistency, and there's no consistency with that. There's no rhyme or reason why he does it, who he starts, who he plays, who he hires. It's just whatever he hears last, whatever idea he has last, it's unbelievable. He also said today, talking about the 4-3 defense <laughs> and how, well, you know, in the 4-3 defense, you know, <laughs> it's hard to stop the run. <laughs> he fired Dave Aranda because he <laughs> because he had wanted to run a 4-3 defense and so he got rid of Dave Aranda. It's like he doesn't even know or understand right. what he said. and He's just whatever happens, it's just I just we have a saying down in South Louisiana, which you know, and it's just God bless them. Just God yeah. bless them. You know, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I've said too yeah. much. 
Yeah, yeah. Usually when somebody throws that at you, ah, oh, God bless you. <sighs> it's like, uh oh, what have I done? What did, what did, what did I do? What? How did I step in it? So no, it's 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 something that probably I, I think that you probably do have parts of LSU fans who say, all right, one last game, a thirteenth game, make it to a bowl would be nice. I think you also have a lot too, Chris, who would just say, let's just end this crap show as soon as possible and 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 move on to the next thing. Uh, because it looks like that guy <laughs> over across the street at the uh, at, at uh, the uh, uh, Pete Maravich Center, it looks like that Will Wade's going to have a pretty good basketball team. So that'll suffice. And then already looking like Jay Johnson with the number one recruiting class across the street at Alex Box Stadium, that he's going to get that thing going on a pretty quick path as well. So I think if nothing else, it's all right, let's focus on the other positives and let's hopefully have a positive and a hired head coach. Uh, real quick, before we move on to uh, the last couple of games here on the slate this week, for LSU, what's your confidence level Thanksgiving weekend we're hearing about a hire? Oh, I, I, I think it depends. I think there's um, still a couple of people that could be involved that we're dealing with conference championship game possibility. So the answer to that is tied to who's in the conference championship games, who's available timing so i would say that that there's a possibility but it's probably depending upon what happens maybe the week after conference championship week because remember thanksgiving holidays is the end of the season Mm -hmm. and i think it's the 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 right type of guy uh or the the right guy that's in the mix you know it's not going to wait out the bowl season of course but if it is somebody that's still in the conference championship game situation that's going to wait to another week gotcha and that's where i think it's headed so i can't answer that yeah interesting we'll uh we'll have to see and of course you'll have to obviously pay attention to what's happening conference uh, championship game race wise to uh, see uh, how to connect the dots on that Uh, real quick let's just get through these last three before we get to uh, a few on the beyond segment of the show and then we've got some great questions too uh, by the way in in the chat here for the mailbag Uh, florida over sanford 70 to 52 Give up 42 points in the first half, only give up 10 in the second. So good news there. But you had to score 35 points too, Chris, to be able to even win this one. Yeah, the defense was completely out of sorts. I was, again, to go back to what we piggybacked off, or the biggest thing to take out of the game was the the, the defensive struggles. And again, it, it, it you lose a lot of, and I know people say, well, you got to move on from you move on. But, well, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get an even bigger disaster. And the biggest thing is I, I just look at um, Dan pulling his guys, talking to him on the game field. And it was like half the guys weren't even listening. Mm. It's things like that, 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 that bother you a lot. And so, and then, you know, I look a lot to made out of the dancing in yeah. the locker room. I didn't have a now, problem I, with that. I didn't know. No, when I saw it, the first thing I said was, well, this is not after the game. I just thought it was a generic, right. something right. that happened last year. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't, but when things are going bad, Dan. Yeah. Really? You're celebrating, Zephyr? You gave up 52 bleeping points. You know where this, again, this is all it's, part of the negativity. So I just think a good finish is in order to calm the waters. I think yeah. the vitriol is just so high over there. 
right. because they don't know. They, they, there, there are a lot of people that in their mind, there's no justification to bring him back. And they're fine. And, and people that are not just saying just average fan, but a lot of people that are, that, that are of the opinion that, that, that are very influential people with the program think this is not going to work. It's just a matter of time. And that's where I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure this out. Right. Dan, what is the plan? What's your plan to fix this? What can we do to help you? How is it going to work? He's going to have to sell them and there's going to have to be complete buy-in. This are steps A through Z, how we're going to fix this going forward. And this is what we're going to do. And if there's not a complete buy-in or they just don't, as we use the Southern term, G-Hall on how they're going to get together, I don't see this lasting to next year. I just, if you can't put the plan together, then I think you have to move on and you have to make the money work for both sides. I just think that we're not there yet. We don't have that answer. That come to Jesus meeting hasn't quite had it yet. There've been some fire and brimstone meetings from what I understand, but not, not the meeting, the the full come to Jesus meeting. You better do this or else. Yeah. Uh, real quick on, on the dancing, I, I understand what's at play there. It's a when you're in a football locker room, it is one of those things. If you've been losing for three, four weeks in a row, I've seen this more on the pro side, Chris, where it's the entire building feels it, where it's not fun to come in and you pass the coach in the hallway on the way of the cafeteria or whatever. And it's, you don't get a hello or anything. You just get just a straight ahead. Let me ignore everybody and go to my work. So I think there's a little bit of that. I think it was, Hey, you know what you won, you earned it. Blow off the steam here. Let's do the 24 hours thing. And then let's come back to it. I, I wasn't as necessarily nonplussed about it. Uh, Mizzou over South Carolina, 31-28. Mizzou, one of the schools that really needed one this uh, this last weekend. Hey, run defense. Showed up a little bit. Congrats. Good job, Mizzou. They did it a little bit. And Tyler Batty, that's the – I can go into nine minutes of diatribe. No one wants to hear it. That's the key to the victory for the, uh, the Como um, Tigers. Yeah. Um, Look, uh, they, they've got Tyler Batty. That's the, the difference there, and um, the difference in the game. So, uh, yeah, for all the talk about, you know, South Carolina and turning around, I, uh, look, I love it. That was the difference in the game. Kentucky 34-17 over Vanderbilt. That's another one that uh, needed to have a bounce back. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of – that was one of the more sound you thought. I thought that the offense was, was really solid for Kentucky and the defense – um, you know, beat up Ken Sears and, and, you know, and, and, and the, the entire quarterbacks were in trouble uh, the entire game. So uh, I think for Kentucky, it's about finishing off. They get New Mexico state to finish off hey, up by Bama. And then <laughs> New Mexico state, man, I hope those checks cash. quick. Yeah. <laughs> Good well, Lord. And then they got Louisville at the end of the year to finish off with, you know, it would be really ugly if they ended. I, I hate to say this. That would be an ugly eight and four if they if they were to lose to Louisville. But, oh, I agree. You know from where they were, but no, I think they take care of business, and um, I, I think they're a little bit frustrated, but at least they win. I think strong. Well, there was a thought too that this was going to be a team that was bound for the Sugar Bowl, and now probably you're looking at a team that's going to be in an Outback <clears throat> Bowl 
or uh, a uh, what's the uh, the one down in Orlando, the Citrus Bowl or something like that. That's what it looks like you're going to be doing uh, when you thought that New Year's Six was on the uh, on the horizon for you. So I get the frustration. There's no doubt. All right. Real quick, because like I said, we've got a lot of really good questions in the mailbag to close out this one. Texas, what a mess, as I pointed to earlier in uh, talking with you that uh, Steve Sarkeesian on Monday saying that he expects 33 new scholarship players in his program. I think that they are going to be hunting the uh, transfer portal like nobody's business. I don't necessarily know if coaching, if there's going to be much change there. I guess we'll have to see what happens with Jeff Banks and all of his goofiness off the field uh, with the uh, therapy monkey. And well, we'll just leave it there, but uh, just everything at Texas and, and Chris, I'm starting to already see of some people wondering, is this it for Sark? I think that's a little premature and pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Look, it's if they don't fix the culture there, it's going to be it for Sark in a couple of years or whenever. I mean, the clock's ticking. They've got to figure out there that the problem is not a play caller, somebody who can fix the offense, somebody that can – do a little bit better job on defense. Uh, it's how can we finish games better? It's all tied to culture. It's been that way. It's been a soft culture. It's been a, a sense of entitlement since the latter stages of Mac Brown and ever since. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, you need to have strong leadership. Now, the one thing I question about Sark was, is he the type of, strong-willed guy that's going to stand up and clean up the mess. It's great. Going to 33 different players. Is he going to going to hold up? Are they going to back him? Is he going to have leadership? There? I mean, those are the type of things. Is he the strong-willed type of guy? Uh, Tom Herman was not. You know, um, I don't know that Sark's personality is that. Mm-hmm. So I think they need a – even if they need somebody's – that's going to stick their foot where it needs to be on certain folks to get things righted. It goes back to how they have done things in the past where they've been a lot of kind of the attitude of we're Texas, we're good, and we've arrived. All you've gotten by going on the 40 acres is an opportunity to be a good football player and to be a good team. You haven't arrived anywhere when you go on campus. That's a starting point. Okay, it's a launching pad. It's not an arrival. It, it just, it's a frustrating look. Um, let this sink in. Texas, four and one, leading 30 to 31 to 20. I may have the numbers a little bit wrong against Oklahoma. Right. Four they had a big one. lead. Yeah. Big lead to Oklahoma. That's where they were. They've mm-hmm. lost five straight. Folks, 1956, Darrell Royal hadn't left state to go to Texas yet. That's the last time they've lost five games in a row. Incredible. It's incredible. And that is not about, well, we need to recruit better. It's not about when well, we need to call better plays. Well, not about we you've got to fix a culture of problems that has been systemic there for a long time. It's mm. not an easy fix, and I don't know if Sark can fix it. Only time's going to tell. 
they they need to figure out that they're not getting the right type of guys and they're not giving the right type of support to fix it. They think throwing money will fix everything. It doesn't. It just, you can buy out more contracts and throw out big money. You've got to be able to understand that you, there's no shortcuts to building a championship caliber program. And they haven't had it for a long time. They haven't had it since the early tenure of Mac when he could handle all the shenanigans and get that team to focus. And then he lost it, and he lost it because they became lazy as a staff. And they became mm-hmm. guys that would commit 20 guys in the junior recruiting class you know, in March, and they didn't do their homework on studying the film. They offered guys too quick. They they recruited off of stars, and they didn't do their homework, and they made mistakes in evaluation and recruiting, and it led to that, and it's become a bigger and bigger problem, and it hasn't been fixed since. All right, real quick, uh, before we move on to the mailbag, just a couple of quick mentions here. Butch Davis out at Florida International, not going to be back there. Says the administration was sabotaging the program, Chris, telling the uh, Action Network such on Monday saying that they had nine-year-old jerseys. They couldn't get on the road and recruit for the last couple of years. Yep. And also, too, had been using old Mississippi State pads right. at their That's programs. Right. So That's right. All of those things. Uh, it's not embarrassing. Yeah, the, not bi- the, big, the bigger story here is how I will use the word criminal. It is for programs like this to be playing mercenary games. It's what's part of needs to be done in college football reform. When you got New Mexico state having to play um, Alabama and Kentucky back to back, that's not good for college football to, yeah. you know, we've got to figure out a way that these programs can sustain and funnel money to them without having kids that have to do this. This at right. FIU is a, is an embarrassment. You can't recruit. You're having very nice of Mississippi state to give them pads and all how embarrassing, you know, look, you have to go and put them in a different level where you have less scholarships and you can compete in, in a different level, let them compete on a level that they were. I had a coach that coached at Louisiana Monroe while back, good friend. And, you know, I, 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 he got the head coaching job. They played Colorado when Colorado was really good. Mm-hmm. They played – who did they play? They played four teams. They got their the doors blown off of them. And, like, how is that good? And then, of course, in three years, they fired the guy. Well, you love the record. What – I don't want to say what – what the bleep do you think? Right. Play a schedule that you can compete. And, and I just think it's asinine, you know, that you've got – you play with the best thing you – Put them in a league where you can play for some sort of a championship for a title. Wouldn't it be great if FCS. you're New Mexico State and you can play Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana, Monroe, and 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 do something to where you could compete for some sort of a title or a conference, something that's meaningful. But you're going to go and get beat up, and this is, this is ridiculous. It's embarrassing uh, to have a guy that's as proven, as good a coach as he's been, to put him through that. And you know what? He obviously bit his tongue for a long time. But when mm-hmm. they decided to go ahead and fire him, he said, you know what? Maybe it's fine that I'll, maybe, maybe I won't it's... bite my tongue any longer. Let me tell yeah. you what really goes on here. And that happens an awful lot. And to me, it's really frustrating 
because dealing with administrators, sometimes I'm glad it's a Zoom call because I'm not quite sure I'd handle it quite as well if I if I could grab my hand around their neck, Neil. I think and, and uh, against some of these guys, I would just I would just grab and Dan and just just shake them. Yeah. No, sometimes, you know, it's one of those things. Hey, do you get it? Do you understand it? And that's kind of frustrating. Uh, Blake James out at Miami. We touched on a little bit uh, early on in the show as the AD for the Hurricanes. Let's get to some of the questions here in the mailbag. Uh, Jeffrey Parrott, uh, I'll go ahead and allow it because I think we are looking forward to this. Like we said, Thanksgiving night, I'll be coming back from uh, the Cowboys Raiders game. I'm going to be in North Texas for that. So, I'll be at that one and then uh, hopefully be able to settle in front of a TV for the Egg Bowl. Uh, what are your early thoughts on the Egg Bowl? And can um, Mississippi State actually win this game? Oh, absolutely. This is a toss-up game. I think we need to see the health of both teams. I see it as, a, as I mentioned earlier, a great game. Uh, these games are often a lot of fun. They have some weird things that happen sometimes in these games, even when they don't have a lot on the line. We've got seen coaches lose jobs here. That's not going to be the case this year, but we've seen a lot of that stuff in the past. We've seen players do things in the end zone that are probably not appropriate yeah. and then and rehabilitate. Yeah. And it just, it's just a, it's just become really a lot of fun. I like it. And I think it's given a lot of exposure to a game that, you know, if it was on conference championship weekend on Saturday at, one o'clock or eleven thirty or eleven o'clock, it wouldn't get as much notice. I think it's great. Um, so I'm excited because I think both of these teams are good. I think a even bigger bowl game is going to be at stake, and yeah. um, you know I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Can't wait. Spartan Barton wants to know: Are Florida boosters in danger of creating dysfunction similar to Texas? That's not not quite the same, but. Look, I would say this, that when you have a bad hire and a bad hire and a bad hire, I mean, I think I think I would make the comparison. It's a different problem at Texas. What I would say is, is Florida in danger of going through coaches and making bad hire and bad hire to do along the lines of what Tennessee has done? That's maybe a more apt comparison, but I just think Dan has not been as good a fit from a recruiting standpoint. They need to be careful with it. Um, because I think another bad hire, I, I don't, I don't see this as look, Will wasn't a good fit. I think Jim McElwain wasn't as good. A fit. I mean, I think they got a little bit cute with a few of their hires. Um, Zucker wasn't obviously it was about the fourth, fifth choice. Look, I think that's a really good job. I think they let like all the Florida programs did Miami and Florida state. They lived on. We've got all this talent around us and they got lazy with their facilities. And so now if you go to Florida, this might surprise you folks. If you go to Florida, they're, they're, they're trying to catch up and they're going to do it. They're doing it right now. They've got it all worked to where they're, they're going to get the facilities upgrades, but you go to Georgia and you go to Florida and you say they ain't the same. So they fell behind like Florida mm-hmm. state fell behind. And so look, I think that Florida still an elite job. They're getting an elite coach because they're not like, as far behind and they can the bull gators that that um that that they established charlie pell established years ago they got more money than say florida state but they haven't done as good a job with their facilities they're getting there they'll get a good coach if they move on from dan this year and next year but yeah if they make another bad hire it could always Mm -hmm. end up being well man look at that look at what tennessee's done it's not that 
that they should have kept on to Phil Fulmer at Tennessee is that they made mistake after mistake. And part of it was one and done for Lane Kiffin at a late time where they hired Derek Dooley, which set him back, and another hire, which set him back. And then that's where I could see it going if they continue to make bad hires. Uh, Woodshed King uh, talking about watching the Sanford game this last weekend and uh, Russ Calloway. Uh, somebody that made a name for himself at Sanford this weekend. And uh, you know, wanted to know if you could uh, shed some light on why he left LSU and whether he would have been a better choice for offensive coordinator for the Tigers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's a number of the, the whole issue with the offensive coordinator. Um, they were trying to, they were trying to, Again, rebuild the the Joe Brady tree, and that's what they went with. Again, I, I I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of people that would have been better fits there as um, for LSU and their decisions. But yeah, certainly watching them run right up and down Florida was quite interesting. It says a lot about the Florida's misalignments, who were really bad defensively. A couple of final ones from Spartan Barton. Number one. Does Baylor have a chance to make the playoff now? And he even threw out when we were talking about if indeed Texas ever did make a change here in the next couple of years, would they do the Urban Meyer thing? Oh, they would think big in doing that. Um, now, I can tell you that they did um, make a phone call, at least explored Urban Meyer. And Urban, I can tell you this, Urban is kind of, is not real big on the transfer portal and where college football is. But again, I, you know, the Jacksonville situation, how long that'll last. Um, if, if he would re, if he wants to coach again, uh, would he consider something like that? He might. Um, and he's probably the type of guy that they need that would just be a culture changer guy but health and timing and circumstances, I wouldn't rule that out because I think, again, they, they made that call. He wasn't interested. So we'll see if they revisit that. Um, Baylor does not have a chance to make the playoffs. No, they're, okay. they're out. They've got two games. They've lost TCU. They've lost Oklahoma State. The only team in the Big 12 that's got a chance is, well, I think Oklahoma State at home in Stillwater. If they win, they've got a chance. Um but to me, when I look at it, and I've done this, and I'll just I'll mention this. If you look at it, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, if they win out, and I think they're going to have a hard time beating Utah twice. But those are the three teams. Okay. Um, I, I, I think if, if, if Oregon does lose out, or lose to Utah. You've got Oklahoma State or one loss Big 12. Let's just call it a one loss Big 12 champion because that's what it's going to take. A two loss Baylor, no, is out. But a one loss Big 12 champion. So to me, it's only Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And I know Oklahoma doesn't look like it, and I don't think they will, but it's them, it's Cincinnati. If Oregon loses, folks, I'm just throwing it out there. If Alabama loses close to Georgia, if there's a two-loss team and Alabama plays Georgia to where it looks like there's not a whole lot that separates them, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, again, you're talking a situation where Georgia, Ohio State, 
you know, Oregon, if they lose, you've got Cincinnati. What if Oklahoma State loses? You're telling me who's going to be ranked higher, a one-loss Big 12 champion, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State um, or Alabama? Because, again, if, if if Oregon loses out, you got Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati's probably in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to start looking at this now as to can you find four? Can you find four? Really, think about it. Can you truly find four teams at this point? Well, right now you can. But I think um, in a couple of weeks we might not be able to find four. Georgia, I think, is in, even if they lose the conference championship game. I think Ohio State's in because I think they beat I think they beat Michigan State and Michigan, and I think they win the Big Ten championship game. A lot of ifs there, but I think they do. Those two are the most sound to me. Then I think it's wide open. Certainly Alabama's in if they win the SEC championship. We know that. Mm-hmm. But if they lose close, well, then what if Oregon loses once? Okay, then Cincinnati would get in. Well, then that's, that leaves you three. That leaves you Ohio State. That leaves you Georgia. That leaves you Cincinnati. Well, again, you've got a one-loss Oklahoma State, a one-loss Oklahoma, a two-loss Alabama if they play Georgia close. I mean, I don't know what the committee is going to do. I'm just saying that's food for thought. I yeah. think the the team that's the best two-loss team that has a chance would be Alabama because they have a chance to play Georgia, play them well, and that, to me, the optics might put them in as a fourth seed, if nothing else. Or if Georgia wins, it might put them as a three seed and keep Georgia and Alabama away from one another. That's how I see it. I'm not selling Alabama as a two-loss team in it. I'm just saying we might have a lot more two-loss teams than you think we're going to have right now. And I'm not saying that a two-loss Alabama gets in over an unbeaten Cincinnati. I'm saying Cincinnati might get in by default under that scenario because Oregon may play their way out of it. I think if Oregon wins out, I think they're in. I think Ohio State's in. I think Georgia's in. Then I could probably see Cincinnati beating a getting in over a two loss Alabama. But I'm I'm saying that I think we're gonna have much more chaos between now and the end of the year. Well, it'll be fun to pay close attention to. There's no doubt about that as we get through the final weekends of the college football season. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dan Matthews. Thank you all for sticking around with us here on SEC Football and Beyond. We will talk to you later on in the week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.